whatever. It's not like she was selling your blood, you know, as a five-year-old. That would be a different, a whole different thing. We don't, we don't talk about that. Okay, moving on. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Um, all right. All okay. Right. Sorry, I was thinking of something. Good. Uh, so, yeah. Hello and welcome to the Watcher's Guide to the Marvel Universe, the show the iTunes store refers to as who? Uh, I, I am Max. And I am JR. How's it going? <coughs> um, I had a work thing that started at 3.30 a.m. my time, or no, 3 a.m. my time, and didn't end until 4.15 a.m., and then I slept, and we're recording this at 2 in the afternoon, and I'm still a zombie. Oh, shit. I'm sorry. I When you were talking, I thought you said it, like, ended at 3-something. No. Not began. And I actually, really I, sorry. I got to bounce early from, the from like, my group of, of folks. Uh, I got to bounce. I was one of the last to leave, but I still left earlier than everybody, than two other people. And they didn't get done until 6.15 my time. And I was Shit. like, ooh, nope. Was it a rollout? No, like... it was validations for somebody else's rollout. Oh. Like, they were, somebody else was turning off a server, essentially. And we had to make sure that that didn't break any of our stuff. And right. I got my piece of that to finished fairly quickly and then was just hanging around to be like, do you need any help? Nope. And then they were like, this thing is broke. And I was like, I don't know that application at all. And it's early, I guess. And they were like, yeah. okay, you can go. Because uh, we're going to have to wait for some other people to get online. Hmm. Neat. Uh, bye. And then I went to sleep. And apparently well, I was talking in my sleep, too, last night. She said... She did one of those things where... Because she, she's not entirely coherent when she wakes up either. So she, I w- was talking, apparently saying one word over and over again. And she did the, this is hilarious. I need to tell him what he was talking about. Clunk. And all she got out of it was, you were talking in your sleep and it was funny. And I was like, oh, hmm. what was I saying? She's like, I don't know. See, the, I, I talk in my sleep all the time. That's why I can't really get up to any nefarious shit. because like even if I were inclined to like I'd be worried that I would uh, I would be laying there in bed just like can't let Casey find out I (laughs) killed that guy like you know hit the body in the swamp Um, cooking meth (laughs) Um, yeah oh shit speaking of cooking meth and this kind of falls under some news hold on I'll get there uh, did you see the video of the KFC exploding? No, I didn't. Oh, God, look it up. It is hilarious. Okay. I mean, it. nobody died. It was at, like, 3.30 in the morning last Thursday, I think. And this KFC is obliterated. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Were they cooking meth? I have no, like, they don't know. Like, the whole oh, okay. thing is so gone. I just didn't, I didn't know if that's why. I, I or just explosions. Ass- I have to assume that's the only reason I can think a KFC would explode. It's because your employees were cooking meth in it 
at an hour which they couldn't. I don't know. There's there's fryers, so there could have been a gas line thing. Yeah. yeah. Look up the video, dear listener. Find this KFC explosion. Hmm. Okay. I had seen something about it, but I didn't really like uh, explore too much because I'm just like, eh, see one, seen one KFC explode, <laughs> seen them all. Uh, there's I really d- no, there's really no news this week. Uh, there was like a trailer for Absolute Carnage, and I hate oh. trailers for comic books because yeah. I'm just like, what? No. What purpose does this serve? Like trailers for movies and TV shows, cool, but for comics, it's just a waste of goddamn time. Um, are um, we gonna Are we gonna get any actual comics news out of Comic Con? Maybe. I don't. I don't know. Okay. I we'll see. Know. I haven't researched it enough. I saw what was happening movies and TV wise, and was like, I don't care. Yeah. Uh, but the I didn't know if they had anything big going on. Uh, I don't know. Nothing I've come across yet. All right. Uh, So Marvel Spotlight number 24 is written by Chris Claremont, penciled by Sal Bushima, inked by Bob McCloud, colored by Diane Bushima, and lettered by John Costanza. Wow. Um, Claremont, Claremont takes some revving up, doesn't he? Because this is his third or fourth byline that we've read, and it's just like, okay, I mean, you're get, you're getting somewhere. Well, I don't know. I mean, Iron Giant Fist Science. is Iron Fist is Claremont. So is I guess Giant Size was too, and I'm an idiot. No, it wasn't. No, that was uh, Len Wein. Yes. Um, there have been a few books by Claremont, uh, but. I don't know. I don't know. This one, this one is not real great. Um, so there's this woman, Gloria, who's fucking around with shit she shouldn't be fucking around with, which is how most possession stories start. It seems it start. It seems like it's like, oh, I'm gonna conjure something. Oh no, it's bigger than I thought. I'm dead now. This is the um, third time in Son of Satan that some that a woman has been messing with or anyone not just a woman i'm sorry uh, somebody has been messing with satanic powers they don't really understand for a ga- like for a gaff like they're mm-hmm. just having fun even though she professes at the beginning of this incantation to be like i'm really into this shit like i'm not just fooling mm-hmm. around and then she's taken over by a yeah. demon called kathara Cathar, um, yeah, yeah, whatever. Who cares? Uh, so then we we switch back to, or we switch to our star, Damon Hellstrom, who is leaving St. Louis, and he's saying farewell to Catherine Reynolds, who like, she works up the nerve to be like Damon, and he's like, yeah, <laughs> and then she just goes, never mind, have a safe trip. Give me a call like, sometime. <laughs> like the, the narrative boxes are all like, maybe there was love here between both of them, and I'm like, no, yeah, no. categorically not. No, she, she was into him because he was weird and like into all the spooky shit that she's into. Also, she said he saved her life slash brought her back from the dead, and he is a 
slab of stone. Like he has, yeah. no, he has nothing there. Um, I, also, yeah. uh, one last thing before we run through it: best thing to do in St. Louis is leave. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Fuck that city. I hate uh, it. <laughs> Sorry, St. Louis listener. Um. So he's Whatever. on the plane. If if they live in St. Louis, they know. They do know. <laughs> they do. Who better to know what a shithole St. Louis is? Um, Anyways. But no, so he's on the plane, and he's gotten a letter from Gloria's father. Um, <clears throat> and we find out that, so, after Damon... After Damon was split from his family and went to the orphanage, that Dr... Um, Lewis Dr. Hefford. Yeah. Uh, his family was very close to him and stuff like that. He start he fall, he falls asleep during all of this and starts having a, a nightmare, um, in which, <clears throat> so at the, in the intro at the beginning, Gloria, after she was possessed, this dude comes running in and, uh, she drains him of life and takes his soul. <clears throat> when we then see Damon's dream, it's the same situation, except it seems to be Satana, his sister, who's doing it. And I guess Satana is showing up in another book and she's got all this shit going on. Who cares? We're not reading it. Um, whatever. But like, it's um, vampire tales. No, I'm not reading yeah. that. So... Uh, he has a dream that it was Satana that did this. Uh, and then at the end of the dream, like she steals his soul, but Oh, it's such a tiny little thing. Um, so yeah. Um, we switch to Satana who's standing in a graveyard, uh, looking at this grave of a friend of hers that, you know, somehow reached the human part of her. Um, Damon shows up and he's like, you're a bitch. And she got just picked like, up. We skipped the one thing. He got picked up at the at the L.A. airport by oh, Gloria, that's right, by Gloria, <laughs> who's acting all weird because he yeah. doesn't know that she's been possessed. Blah blah yeah. blah. You're uh, a bitch. My bad. I forgot about that. Uh, so, you know, she did, she had told him that Satana was the one was the one who, like their their little satanic church was perfectly normal for satanic churches, and then this chick Satana showed up. And started leading them down the primrose path to, like, ultimate evil and everything. So he goes to the graveyard, confronts Satana, they fight, and he seemingly destroys her. Um, he goes back to Gloria's house and is attacked by her. And it turns out she is... And that's when he discovers she's been possessed by Cathara. Uh, she summons some demons and Damon is pretty well fucked. Uh, until Satana shows up, they fight. Apparently, Satana is possessed by the basilisk that she lets loose and destroys. It destroys Cathara. Gloria, of course, dies. Um, and Damon's like, hey, really sorry about that whole thing earlier. And she's like, nope, fuck you. If we run into each other again, I'm going to take your soul. So... Yeah. yeah, and actually, I don't know. 
I'm kind of on Satana's side here. Yeah. As far as, like, the ending conclusion. Uh, he was... Everybody is a dick in this week. Um, but, like, he was a bit of a jerk when he first showed up, and he he didn't give her a chance to explain what the hell he was she was doing there. Yes, she was probably doing evil, but, like, you know, figure She's it out. She's Satana. Like... Yeah, I mean... And that's another thing. God damn it. Sorry, guys. I'm a little tired. So I'm going to result to or, uh, revert to old man aphorisms. Uh, the Everybody in the this book particularly, but some of the other like occult books are all like, no, we were just doing Satanism for fun. Yeah. Like, we didn't realize we were gonna be... And then this other guy came in, and he was, like, really into it. And then we accidentally, like, you know, called forth Called forth, you know. Yeah. Or got possessed by something. And I'm like, guys, it's Satanism? Yeah. Like, it's occult Satanism in comic books. Like, you get, you should know what you're getting into. Mm-hmm. Yep. Everybody always acts so surprised when somebody gets... Everybody's so surprised when somebody gets possessed by a demon. Alright. Yeah. Uh, you know. It's all fun and games until someone puts their soul out. Um, <sighs> the... Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how you can... Early on in the Marvel Universe, maybe... But, like, as time passes and it becomes more and more clear that these things very much exist, uh, you don't get to claim ignorance. You don't just get to be, I don't know, I found a book and started <laughs> reciting what was in it. And then it was the weirdest thing. No, fuck you. Fuck you. You get you get what you get. Yeah. Um, well, now I'm kind of thinking about it. And, like, uh, is all this Satanism... A, res- a cultural response inside the universe to all the superheroes and bullshit like that's an interesting idea I don't think it's supported in the text but that would be interesting hmm huh well welcome to our podcast where two men mu- silently mull over an idea that one of their brought up yeah, I don't. I don't, s- I don't know. That's don't... uh. Yeah, I don't know. I I feel like there's a lot of ways that could go. I, hmm. Okay. Well, let's jot that down and think about it for later. Um, okay. Uh, Power Man number 28 is written by Don McGregor, penciled by George Tusca, and inked by Vince Coletta, colored by Petra Goldberg, and lettered by Dave Hunt. Um, we, we start this kind of in the middle of things with Power Man and this guy, Harry Wentworth, uh, on a rooftop, and there's this dude, Cockroach Hamilton who has a an antique shotgun that he calls Josh um, 
with six barrels on it. Like, that's yeah. its thing. And I don't know, man. Like, it's still just a shotgun. Yeah. Even to, even to Luke. Like, it's going to be more an, three times more annoying. That's all it's going to do. Well, I I think this is well handled in that, like, the bullets don't necessarily pierce his skin, but he still has to deal with the force of them hitting. Um, the upshot is Wentworth dies and Luke gets his shoulder dislocated. Mm -hmm. Uh, cockroach Hamilton escapes somehow. Um, and there's this detective named Quentin Chase who's kind of hassling Luke. Just like, hey, uh, is Luke Cage your real name? Blah, blah, blah. You know, if you're on the level, we got no problem. If you're not, then I'm gonna have to do what I have to do. Um, Luke swings by the theater, uh, finds uh, finds out that there is a um, that the land DW's uncle is raising the landlord or the. <laughs> Raising the landlord, raising the rent. Raising the landlord uh, from the dead. <laughs> <laughs> More Satanism. Um, he is he is raising the uh, the rent, and Luke's like, of course he fucking is. Um, and then we get the first of apparently what becomes a running joke, wherein he tries to get a drink and it and gets shit on for the effort. Which, I I use the term joke very loosely here. Um, well, it's a sight gag-ish. Because, like, it's one of those really... Like, we don't even do vending machines like this anymore. Where it would... You put in your money, you select your drink. Coffee machines do this now. Uh, still. Cup comes down, ice goes in the cup, then cola goes on top of it. But in mm -hmm. the vending machine is broken, and it does it backwards. So you just end up with an empty, wet cup. Um, and probably on the floor. Hooray. It happens twice, two or three times throughout the run. And like there are other ways to explain that Luke Cage is having a hard time. Whatever. Like, the um, rest of the story just does that. You don't need this. So, Luke goes back to uh, the guy who hired him at Adonis Chemicals. There is uh, there is an altercation um, wherein... He he is basically just like, yeah, you guys are you guys are really the good guys here. What with you know, trucking your chemicals through the city and shit. And uh, the owner is just like, hey, fuck you. We take every precaution. Um, so Luke, you know, Luke says some shit. The guy gets angry. Luke basically, I mean, the guy is about to attack Luke. And Luke knows this, so he starts swinging. So the guy really doesn't have a chance to attack Luke, but he's going to. Um, but yeah, Luke is fired, blah, blah, blah. Um, and so he uh, he goes after Cockroach, and 
they have a run-in wherein the shotgun also fires gas, which knocks Luke out. Uh, and he wakes up. He's tied up under this bridge. Uh, and at first he's just like, okay, whatever. But then it's like, oh shit, it's a drawbridge and there's a boat coming. Um, it's at this point you might be like, oh no, what's going to happen? Well, fuck you, because it's a filler issue next time. Uh, Power Man number 29 is written by Bill Mantlo, colored by Don Warfield, and lettered by Karen Mantlo. And, you know, there are there are times where this book is a real problem because it's written and drawn and everything edited, by and white people. Yeah. Uh, and then they, and then there are times where they just dial it the fuck up. And this issue is one of those times because there were, there were times where there were, there were times in reading Power Man where you're just like, okay, this is not great, but it's the 70s, you just kind of have to roll with it. And then there's other times where you read something and you're just like, you're not even trying not to be like objectively racist here. And this is I this is how I felt reading this issue. It's like there there's a lot that you have to deal with but this one this one really really fucking tries you um well no never mind i was going to say something and i was going to regret what i was going to say so i'm going to pass the yeah no it is a it is work to get through this and not just quit yeah. um because of those reasons that you're talking about yeah, um, and it isn't just dialogue; it's like the way it's drawn too. Like yeah, the way characters no. are shaped and shaded, and yeah. it's and this this weird little oompa loompa guy that's hanging around Mister Fish that's yeah. just like, yes, sir, Mister Fish, and I'm just like, mm, no, 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 what are you doing? Why? Oh. Uh, I, guess, I guess I guess I shouldn't have great expectations for a book that features a character named D.W. Griffith. No. Um, I yeah. Um, whatever. Uh, so yeah, this is a random issue in which Luke is hired by some dudes who keep having their uh, their their trucking companies beset by this dude named Mr. Fish. Um, so Luke hangs around waiting uh, for, you know, them to strike, and they do, and he goes after them, and it turns out that Mr. Fish is actually, like, a fish man. Uh, he was apparently a low-level thug uh, who, who was exposed to some kind of strange isotope that and then fell into the fell into the river and if it was and that, he became a he fish became man a, he became a fish man um yeah and this features uh luke getting thrown off of a, a building several times mm -hmm. and 
catching himself until at the very end, after he's dealt with uh, the rest of the Mr. Fish's goons, he ends up punching Mr. Fish, or no, dodging Mr. Fish as he rushes him, uh, or as he is being rushed, and uh, Mr. Fish throws himself off the side of a building. Yep. Don't read this. It is yeah, it's it's bad. It's, it's real bad. Yeah. Moving on. Yep. Power Man number 30 is written by Don McGregor, penciled by Rich Buckler, inked by Arbel Jones, colored by Petra Goldberg, and lettered by Denise Wall. Uh, we come back and Luke is tied to the bottom of a drawbridge. It starts moving up. He is able to break the chains um, and lands on this tugboat. Uh, whatever. Uh, the sequence yeah. of him breaking the chains is probably the best of this run. Yeah. Um, um, because he does, it's all about like gutting it out and getting, using the bad angles that you're given to remove, actually extricate himself from the situation. It's, I'm being charitable, but this is probably the best part of the, of the right. Power Man run. Yeah. Um, so yeah. And, uh, so Cockroach goes and meets with his, boss who's a dude named piranha jones and piranha has steel steel sharp teeth and his hair is made to look like a fin and he has a tank full of piranha and if you're if you're not aware let me just address this if you're not aware the the thing about piranha like Stripping something clean in a matter of seconds is a myth. Um, what it what it actually so the myth comes from the fact that Teddy Roosevelt was visiting uh, South America, and a dude was trying to impress him, so he showed he had like a pool of piranha that he hadn't fed for a long time. And then he lowered a cow in there and they just went to fucking town. But those piranha had not eaten for a long goddamn time. Right. So in extreme conditions, sure, they technically could, but they, they don't. They don't. So just... Um, but yeah, so Piranha Jones... Luke goes back to the theater. Um, there's another hilarious moment with a vending machine. Um, he is visited by the president of Adonis Chemicals, whom he punched. And the lawyer's just like, you know, it's over for you. And he's like, hey, he came at me. Um, <clears throat> then Detective Chase shows up and uh, he's like, hey, can I see your social security card? And Luke's like, social security card. Uh, I don't think I have that on me in my home. Where Which I is live. not suspicious at all. Uh, in my home, where I live. Now, where my stuff is. A case, mean, could, a case could be made. A case could be made that if you are a dude with superpowers who is constantly being attacked in his home that your social security card and other important papers are in a safety deposit box at the bank. Some regular-ass people do that. Yeah. Right? 
But I mean, especially, especially if you're constantly being attacked in your own home, why wouldn't you do that? Um, But like Luke answers the question in the most suspicious way. All he has to do is just be like, yeah, well, you know, for obvious reasons, I keep it somewhere else just to be on the safe side. I'll get it and bring it by your office. Yeah. Anyway, um, so Piranha Jones and Cockroach Hamilton and uh, I'm sure their best friend uh, Wombat McGillicuddy uh, are preparing to attack the shipment um, that is being brought through the city. Power Man shows up and he's like, ah, ah, ah. Uh, but in the middle of the fight, this canister is knocked out, and oh no, it's cracking. We also get a vignette here where we get to meet uh, Detective Chase's beautiful young wife, and I'm like, oh, okay, you're gonna die. Oh yeah. <laughs> like, oh you're, yeah. You're so gonna die because, like, not only is she beautiful young wife, like they're. They're horny enough that they're throwing. She's like holding up negligee on the front yard. <laughs> like yeah. the whole the whole neighborhood can see what's going on. Yeah, it's uh yeah he she he is so dead or she I, is. I like one of them. I like to die. imagine. So they have a, they also have a young daughter. Oh yeah. Um, I like to imagine being a neighbor of these people and just like. Put a, put out your funeral dress, Marge. It's it's gonna happen. Like that poor girl, she has no idea what's coming, and you know, the wife's like, like "What are you What are you talking about? Have you never seen anything ever? Any movie? Any TV show? Look at how happy they are. He's a police officer. The only way a police officer's wife lives." is if she's a nagging bitch. If they're happy and, like, everything seems idyllic, she's gonna die, the kid's gonna die, everybody's gonna die. Uh, Happiest, best case scenario is he dies. Like, that's that's the best case scenario here. Uh, But he has a name. Like, we, uh, we met him first, so he's probably gonna live. He'll, he'll become the, the uh grizzled cop type uh, 347 subtype 9a with drinking problem and like angsty past yeah oh yeah no he's uh, yeah the whole situation um yeah all right so power man number 31 is uh penciled by Salbashima inked by the collective known as crusty bunkers uh, colored by Glynis Ween and lettered by Gene Hip. Now, I think it's been a little while uh, since we talked about Krusty Bunkers. Uh, the thing about it is that uh, <laughs> the this is a... You know, in, in movies, there's like Alan Smithy. This is not quite that situation. Uh, this is a this is a um, it's a, a collective group. Right? Yeah, it's a it's a group of people that just kind of inked whatever was thrown at them if one of them happened to be handy. Yeah. Um, and there are there are a lot of people in the in the group who 
are incredibly recognizable. Um, right. Terry Austin, Rich Buckler, Howard Chaikin, Dave Cockrum, um, Neil Adams and Dick Giordano, of course, are the ones who who primarily did it. Primarily did it. Uh, Larry Hama, Klaus Janssen, Jim Starlin, a ton of people. Larry um, Hama? Yeah. I thought he was a writer. Did well, they just... Like, anybody could be part of this if you had time? It was... So, Larry Hama is a writer and artist. Oh, okay. Um, so, he's kind of done all of the above. Because um, he mean, was the one they gave Transformers to, right? Uh, he's the one that mainly... The big thing he's known for is... Uh, he's the one who came up with the the bios for all of the G.I. Joe characters. Okay, I knew it was um, either G.I. Joe or Transformers. I could He remember. did work on Transformers. Uh, as I recall, he did some work for them. Uh, but the big... The big thing he's known for is because uh, I want to say it was like Bob McLeod or Jim Shooter that did a lot of the Transformers stuff. But it was Larry Hama that uh, came up with most of the uh, most of the uh, G.I. Joe stuff because he uh, when they were getting ready to restart the G.I. Joe line uh, they worked with Marvel Comics and Larry Hama uh, had at one point pitched a Nick Fury series spinoff called Fury Force which was I mean everything that G.I. Joe became was kind of based on that premise Um, and uh it's yeah he if if you like gi joe uh chances are pretty good it's because of larry hama but yeah like if you if you go and look up crusty bunkers you will find just a a huge list of people that uh worked under that pseudonym at some point or another um and it was always just Whoever was handy and they could throw a pay a book at and be like, here, you do it. Um, so, yeah. Uh, so we rejoined the fight between uh, Luke and Piranha and Cockroach and Roadrunner. Um, the, the canister is getting knocked around and it's cracking worse. Um Detective Chase shows up and Luke is able to deal with the canister, but like he he tries to put his hands over it, but it's still leaking through. So he recalls what what was said at one point, which is that it's an incredibly unstable um, uh, mixture. So he just starts pounding on it, um, which I mean cool like an explosion yeah. sucks but it's better than everybody in new york dying um uh, and like the stakes are that the the gas causes uh lung cancer yeah and they don't want and it's like in small doses it just immediately seeds um 
They keep referring to lung cancer as like an infection as well, and I'm like, oh man, yeah. the seventies. Uh, but then the so yes, the 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 explosion is a much better outcome because it basically just puts it blows Luke all to hell. But who cares? He's just gonna get up, and it puts a minor divot in the in the street, and that's about all the damage we see. I mean, um, a minor divot in the street is like a Tuesday in the Marvel Universe. Right. Like, yeah, so this is nothing, and uh, but it's still probably the coolest. Er, yeah, I take that back. This is probably the coolest thing that he does, which yeah. is get make the decision to take the hit and blow blow himself up. Like, that's that's pretty neat. Yeah. Um, it's It's been kind of interesting to... It's like with Iron Fist, like it's been interesting to see both Luke and Danny kind of start giving a shit occasionally, Um, Mm -hmm. you know, because I mean, like the Luke Cage who in Hero for Hire number nine went to Latveria to shake Doom down for money, Um, (laughs) you know, that's not someone I would see, like, taking a blast to save the city of New York. Um, but he does. Yeah. He's knocked out, but they take a, they take him back to uh, Piranha's penthouse. And uh, they're just like, hey, you're a, you're a smart dude. You've got a lot going for you. Why don't you join our organization? And Luke is like, no. Uh, so they throw him in the piranha tank and, uh, so there's, there's a whole bunch of bullshit here. Okay. Number one, Luke smashes Josh the shotgun, which thank God, um, piranha attacks Luke and is like trying to bite him. But his steel teeth are steel teeth aren't really doing a lot, and it's more like a man not knock it off situation more than a oh god help me. Um, well, and this is the second or third time that he's been able to land a bite directly on Luke, and hasn't like figured out that this isn't working. Yeah, uh, we do. We do find out that uh, <laughs> Piranha. We find out at one point that Piranha, like, lost all his teeth at a very young age due to yeah. a poor diet. And it's just kind of like, I, I I don't need to know that. I, <laughs> um, But yeah, so Piranha Jones and Luke Cage go into the water. Uh, and Cockroach Hamilton is just like, all right. And so he closes the lid over the Piranha tank. Um he Luke knocks the shit out of Piranha Jones and the Piranhas are getting ready to like chow down on Piranha when uh, Luke puts his fist out through the cover <coughs> excuse me uh, pulls himself out and saves Piranha as well and uh, yeah I don't know weird goddamn like They are, this whole they are story... really trying to... Because Cockroach lives in squalor and eats nothing but cheese... Snips. Cheese... Yeah, cheese sips, snips, 
whatever, cheese doodles, uh, and piranha They're, is just it's piranha. a really unfocused story. It like, is, and it's there's no like theming or anything. It's just a series of events that happen, kind of. Yeah. I I feel like they just really don't know what to do with Luke. Um yeah. Because... Like, they hit it right sometimes earlier. Not this week, but they hit it right occasionally before, and they just don't, like... They're not getting the feedback that's like, that's the one. Do it this way. Do it yeah. like this. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, whatever. Uh, Master of Kung Fu Annual Number One is written by Doug Mensch, penciled by Keith Pollard, inked by Duffy Voland and John Tartaglioni, colored by Petra Goldberg, and lettered by Gene Hip. Um, so Danny Rand shows up seeking the help of Shang-Chi, uh, to find Colleen Wing. Um, what winds up happening is before they really have a chance to do much of anything, they are approached by, um, so they're attacked by this group of random ass people. Um, and Shang is like, well, they don't work for my dad. I don't recognize them at all. And, uh. And they're a yeah. lot more barbarian-y yeah. than, um, than we're used to as well. Yeah. So they're, they, they fend off the attack. They're approached by a dude named Quan Star, who... Earlier in the issue, Quan Star had walked himself through a, por- a rift in space-time and then immediately evaporated a cop. Yeah. Um, well, so he the we cop know. is like coming at him, and he blasts him, and that's kind of all you see right then. Yeah. Uh, but as he's talking to Danny and Shang Chi, he's like bullshitting, and it's intercut with like the cop being loaded onto a stretcher and covered up by a sheet, and it's just like, yeah, no, this guy is seriously not on the level. Right. Uh, so he takes them. It turns out he's like. A magician, and he is able to tra- travel between the dimension that uh, Kun Lun is in uh, and the earthly realm. So, and he says that he's from Kun Lun originally, but that mm-hmm. he had traveled from Kun Lun to Earth to uh Shara Shara Sharn Sahara Sharn and that Sahara Sharn is like a twin a rotating dimensional twin of Kunlun and where it's like it's on the opposite it's a dimensional opposite from Kunlun and where Kunlun is all brightness and light and good good times which that's questionable uh, Sahara Sharn is constantly evil. It, like it's all evil all the time. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and he's like, we have to go to... You have to come with me to help stop... And also, like, the, the people of Sahara Sharn hate the people of Kunlun for reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's like, you have to come with me to stop this attack that they're planning on mm-hmm. Kunlun. And so... And Danny's like, uh, Chi, uh, this is not really what I uh, asked you for. Um, <clears throat> kind of, you can stick around. You, you don't have to come if you don't want to. And Shang-Chi's like, uh, I told you I'd help you save one person. This sounds like saving an entire city. I definitely am in. And mm-hmm. she, he's like, okay, cool. Uh, so they all leave. They all, yeah, they make their way to Sarah Sharn. And uh, it turns out that <gasps> Quan Star is actually the one, like, putting an army together to attack Kunlun. Uh, but so what, they get there, and Quan Star is just like, I'm going to go check something out. You guys go to this pub, and the person you're supposed to meet will meet you there. And I forget what name he gives them, but. Uh, they get there, and uh, there's a woman um, whose name friggin' escapes me. Uh, she is, like, hit on by some asshole, uh, which sets off a huge bar brawl. Uh, her name is Sibel. Uh, yeah, I was trying to find it. She... You know, so it's like the three of them versus all these goons. Uh, And then the constabulary shows up and the leader among them is the it turns out is the one they're supposed to meet. But he arrests them. Uh, So they get thrown into a jail cell and shock of shocks. None of this was on the level. Quan Star just wanted the Iron Fist out of the way. Uh, And it turns there's a weird thing where it's they give us an origin to Shu Lao the dragon, but I don't know that this squares with what we're told elsewhere. Um, because it turns out what it is though is that Quan Star was at one point a uh dragon like just or i'm sorry quan star was originally um the only thing he wasn't lying about that is that he was actually originally from kunlun right he he was was a like a left hand of uh yao ti and he there was a dragon rider at the Showing like uh, like a, a display, um, not a display, a performance, f- in front of Yauti or Ut, and he like the dragon got out of control. It tried to attack Ut. Quan uh, Star uh, killed the dragon and removed its heart. And then uh, to save Ut, well, Ut was like, "That was a dragon, you dumbass. Uh, what are you even doing?" Uh, expels. Quan Star from uh, Kunlun, and then UT uses crazy magic to bring this dragon back to life. Um, 
Yeah. And I never actually call it Shao Lao, but yeah. Apparently that is the origin of the dragon. So, whatever. Um, And we're learning all of this. So they, after they got captured, they put Shang-Chi and Danny in the bottom of a prison cell for like five days without food. And the plan is to just starve him out. Uh, Mm. We find out that Sabelle is had helped them get captured but she also feels bad about it so she helped them escape um after the end of the five days she feeds them uh tells them the story about the dragon and then is like okay now we're gonna go do an insurrection um, and it's it's interesting because basically what it turns out is <coughs> not everyone in sarajan is as on board with this whole destroying kunlun thing uh as Quan star is uh and we find out that in the same way that kunlun is not all brightness and light sarasharn is not all evil um and there were people there that are just like we recognize like that there needs to be a balance here um so yeah um so shang chi and iron fist have to go and destroy this globe of eternity which is the source of Quan Star's power um they they make their way to it and uh Quan Star comes out of it having just refreshed himself um but I think what is it it's Shang-Chi that actually smashes it yeah um Danny is a distraction because he uses the fist to rebuff the blasts from Quan Star, like he just punches light beams out of the air, and uh, that allows Shang-Chi which is actually kind of cool. Back. Yeah, I think so, and it allows Shang Chi to sneak around back and uh, destroy the globe, which is filled with like evil spirit essence and the screaming and, souls of the dead i don't know uh, yeah something but anyway <laughs> it's like don't get it on you uh, <laughs> because yeah. after he breaks the globe shang chi dives out of the way this torrent of spirit fluid uh falls over Quan star and uh he everybody vanishes so <sighs> yeah I mean, it's, the unfortunate uh, thing is that I'm going to have to see Quan Star again. Like, uh, no, I don't, I don't think so. Um, I just assumed I didn't see a body. I well, as far as I know, he has not come back yet. Uh, let me see. But yeah, it's. So while uh, you're looking that up after, so Sabel manages to take the rest of the the guards, the castle, the whatever. And she offers both Danny and Shang-Chi, they can stay if they want. Shang-Chi's like, uh, no, thanks, but I'd like to go back to London now. And yeah. Danny's like, I gotta go with him. She's like, okay, cool. Um, I've got my own ma- magician now. I'll just have him pop you back over those that other dimension you know this thing that was supposed to be incredibly hard to do i'll just get some other (coughs) asshole to do it um so they pop back 
And now remember, they were in prison for five days, starving to death in the tower. And uh, but they pop back in London at the same time that they left initially. And Danny's like, "Well, we got no closer to finding Colleen." Feels sort of like this whole long story was a diversion. Um, do you want to go? Do you still want to help me do that? And Shaggy's like, "I'm, I'm willing. I, ca- I can." And he's like, "You know what? Nah, you're all right. Thank you." And they leave. Yeah. So I feel like this next issue we could kind of just pop out real quick. Uh. Captain Marvel number 43 is written by Steve Englehart and Al Milgram, penciled and inked by Al Milgram, colored by Petra Goldberg and lettered by Tom Orzakowski. We left things off last <coughs> last time we read Captain Marvel with uh, Marvel and Rick riding through space on a robotic donkey. Yep. And uh, that's a real thing that happened. That that is I I really don't like what's going on with Captain Marvel because they kind of just seem to be throwing shit at the wall. Um, and I really, you know, when when Jim Starlin did the Thanos War thing, I actually was really excited about where Captain Marvel was going to be going, and this was not it. <laughs> this was not what I was hoping for. Um, so... Their donkey like, like breaks the, down. I like but. the bonkers imagery of them riding a robotic donkey through the cosmos because, like, it's still mostly gorgeous. Like, yeah, the, I mean, it doesn't it's look drawn. bad. It's just like there's a whole lot here that it's just like uh, when you say it. it out. When you say it out loud, you're like, "What?" Yeah. Um, um, so they've been launched to the other side of the universe by the supreme intelligence who wants to prepare them for when he takes over Rick's body. <coughs> I think. Yeah, he wants to absorb Rick's brain um because the supreme the Kree just aren't cutting it. I guess yeah, uh, they're stagnating is yeah. what is the like is the stated reason is the Kree are stagnating and he's trying to uh, fix that help that not happen revitalize them a bit there yeah. you go uh, um, the coolest goddamn thing that happens is the destroyer blows up the <coughs> fucking sun yeah um the destroyer is raging because he's been robbed of his destiny of killing Thanos. Uh, so the mule breaks down. Marvel and Rick touch down on this planet so Marvel can fix it. Rick decides to go off and practice uh, the stuff he can do. Um, when he sees the woman that he saw the last time forever ago uh, and follows her. Um, the Supreme Intelligence interrupts Drax's, uh... Temper tantrum. Yeah, tantrum, and directs him at Marvel. Um, so Drax shows up blaming Marvel for having destroyed Thanos. 
Marvel is like, whoa, like, let's chill out. Um, but they fight, and the fight is actually pretty cool. Like, Drax it's is a- like, gra- grabs Marvel's leg and starts just slamming him into asteroids, and it's great. Um, and then finally, what he does is he, uh, <clears throat> well, so two things happen at the same time. Rick is following the girl along, finds out her name is Fawn. Uh, she convinces him to take off his helmet. Uh, and he's like, yeah, cool. But so he does, and then immediately starts to suffocate. Meanwhile, Drax takes Marvell and throws him into the atmosphere of the planet uh, so that he will burn up. <clears throat> So yeah, I mean, like the fight between Drax and Marvel is really cool. Milgram's art is really great. I like all of that. It's just there's so much about this and about like Marvel and Rick are combining more and more. So Marvel starts acting more like Rick, but Rick never really starts acting more like Marvel. There is so that. there's not. Like the cool, level-headed, cosmically aware Marvel we got in Thanos War is just fucking gone. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's that, and then the the Fawn stuff is. Well, we'll get to that, but it's confusing to me. Yeah, so uh, we will be back in a moment with more Captain Marvel. I want no part of this. <laughs> so, <clears throat> anyway. Uh, we're back. We are back. Uh, with Captain Marvel number 44, uh, which is colored by Janice Cohen. Um, Marvel is falling through the atmosphere, burn- starting, to, starting to get a bit hot. Uh, when he's like, wait, I can do what Rick did. And draw strength from my one negaband. So he does. Um, and uh, they continue to fight on the surface of the planet when Fawn shows up. Uh, and uh, she, touches, she touches Drax and... This causes him to uh, realize where Thanos is. Um, <clears throat> so he's like, I got shit to do later. Uh, Marvel is wholly unaware of Fawn's existence, but she touches him and he's suddenly aware that Rick is in danger. Right. So he goes racing off. He finds Rick, who is dying. Um, and he uses the energy available to him. Like he, he gets him not as dead, (laughs) um, (laughs) but he's, he's still just like, there's no way we can, uh, I can help him any further than this. I need to get him somewhere where they can do something more. So they, uh, they go, He goes back. Rusty is working again suddenly. 
uh, unaware to him or unbeknownst to him, uh, the Supreme Intelligence had caused the issue and now fixed it so that he can make his way to Deneb 4. <clears throat> uh, but when they arrive at Deneb 4, it has been blown all to shit. Um, Marvell searches through the wreckage uh, and finds a life support chamber. Um, <clears throat> and then he goes out to try and find out what the fuck happened. Uh, it turns out there's an army of Nultrons, which, which are, are just heads with arms. They yeah, look they're like giant Easter Island heads, sort of shorter, yeah. uh, it, with metal arms that I guess are made of <laughs> anti-neutrons. Because whatever they touch gets destroyed. I don't know. What are they doing? Yeah, it looks it looks literally like someone cut the head off a bunch of statues and then attached little arms and legs on, like, as a joke. Uh, but apparently they're the deadliest thing ever. The Kree have outlawed them. Yeah, like, Whatever. their use is has been outlawed by the Supreme Intelligence. They're like a living weapon. Yeah. Uh, so... Yeah. Um, but then... So Marvell, so Marvell flees the Nultrons, but is then captured by what seems at first to be a group of robots. As it turns out, they're cyborgs. Um, and it, it turns out that what people Deneb for have left have been fighting the Nultrons that have been so chipped away at that they're mostly machine. Um... And uh, he, Marvell, is introduced to the leader of the Nultrons, uh, leader of the cyborgs, or the leader of the Denebian people. Now, who is who is a, a human head grafted onto a Nultron? Um, but and he, they, like, just cannot resist the pun because he refers to himself as the head of the organized or of the underground organization and it's like because you're a head grafted to yeah. a head yeah you didn't have to put it's, that in quotes for it to be a joke dude it's 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 like that scene in austin powers where he keeps making head puns and it's just really dumb yep and he keeps making them and just, you're just like okay all right i, I, I was anyway. there already yeah, <clears throat> but yeah. So the leader, because I refuse to call him the head, uh, the leader is just like, "Look, we need your help." Um, and also, and he's taken. The leader has the leader and the cyborgs have Rick in his stasis chamber, right? As leverage. <clears throat> yeah. Um, but he's like, I need your help. And, uh, by helping us, you're helping yourself because he reveals that the, the reason Rick and Marvell are having these problems, because <clears throat> like Marvell's speech is devolving into Rick's, you know, earth teen lingo. Yeah. And, it's and really he's also annoying. like losing his patience a lot quicker. 
and he seems yeah. to have even less control over like his awareness and yep yeah so he's like your minds are merging eventually there's only going to be one of you and uh <clears throat> so that brings us to captain marvel number 45 uh which is colored by ellen vartanoff the leader uh says that there is a way to fix all of this and this is when we're introduced to the second of our infinity stones uh though you 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 wouldn't know it to look at it because it's a big red globe yeah um, and he calls it he calls it a soul gem um but it's the mind stone yeah and uh <clears throat> so all they need do is enter it um and yeah uh, it turns so it turns out that there is this cyborg named Rambu, who is the most human of all the cyborgs now. Uh, he found it uh, at one point, but it was the supreme intelligence that actually caused it to crash land there and cause caused all of this. Everything that's happening here was the supreme intelligence. But um, <clears throat> what winds up happening is. Rick is put into the gem, and then Marvel goes in, and uh, it winds up that they they see each other as though they're uh, separated by a, a crystalline wall. Uh, Marvel tries to smash through the wall, which causes Rick to get hit. Rick responds, and Marvel. Yada yada yada. It it becomes an all out battle between the two of them. Um and on the outside of the gym, the leader of this underground has somehow transferred the energies being created by each side of the battle inside the gym to powers and strategies of the cyborg army that is fighting the Nultrons. Yeah, it's weird. But in the course of this, we find out that the leader, because he's ahead on an Ultron body, he has wound up uh, being... having his perspe the perspectives of the two merged into a single one that's just kind of like, this needs to end whoever wins at least it'll be over um yeah and, and rambu's just like no <laughs> um we trusted you you were yeah. supposed to lead us to victory and the leader is just like no i told you i'd lead you to peace yeah. um whether i said victory that was you uh rick and marvell keep fighting yeah, and Rambu tries to smash the gem, uh, which is when Fawn shows up, and she's like, I can't enter the gem on my own. You have to take me in there, but that's the best way to end this. Uh, so they go inside, and then they they find Marvell and Rick and tell them that all they're doing is hastening the thing they fear. Um 
because by by fighting like this, uh, one of them is going to win and ultimately will just be the one in charge. Um, uh, she also Fawn also mentions that if Rick dies, she dies. Uh, and this is the first time Marvell is actually able to see her. Um, they leave the gem, and once they're out, both armies just kind of stop. Um, and it's really fucking weird, but well, whatever. It's really weird because we get a time jump and no explanation. Yeah. Like, they, they leave the gem, which causes everything to stop, and then that's it. <laughs> uh, and Captain Marvel 46 starts with them having left, so... Yeah, and they're not even on the planet anymore. They're not even on right. Deneb. Like, yeah. We, uh, normally, when we do this kind of jump forward, there's, like, a couple of pages that are like, they got out of the gem and... Uh, defeated the leader and... Yeah, it was whatever. fine. Whatever, like... But you get that that page to be like, you're not insane. You didn't miss an issue. We just don't yeah. give a crap about that. We we need to move forward. They don't yeah. do that page this this issue, and you're very it's it's jarring. jarring. Even though like I'm the one that complains about those recap pages a lot, and I actually needed it for this one. Well, yeah, because there's no they don't resolve it, and they don't even do a token attempt to resolve it it's just dropped mm -hmm. they just leave the gem and then suddenly they're all somewhere else so uh captain marvel number 46 is written by steve Englehart and al milgram and chris claremont inked by terry austin colored by don warfield and lettered by denise wall uh they the four of them it, meaning rick and marvell and then fawn and rambu for some reason comes along uh, arrive at Hala, but they're intercepted before they really get there. Uh, Rick is teleported to the Supreme Intelligence's chamber, and Marvell is teleported onto this dreadnought, um, which he recognizes because apparently, like back when he was a member of the Kree military, it was his uh, it was his dream to eventually captain this dreadnought but um uh, they both wind up having to fight uh supremor in a physical form and i hate i hate this version of supremor i've seen it before and i hate it uh it's like a big green guy with the weird tentacle things on his head and it's just dumb um and like but, so the theme of the story continues in that as one because Rick has to fight his own Supreme Or too. And as Marvell puts the absolute smackdown on his Supreme Or, the Supreme Or fighting Rick gets stronger and stronger. Um, mm -hmm. and is more able to defeat so they like they have to go back and forth and find a balance between the two so that they right don't die uh and it's like i got it thanks yeah we... but and... so yeah fun fun and rambu uh sneak in 
and uh, they're trying to they try to help Rick. Supremor can't see Fawn, but he works out what's happening, uh, which is that Fawn is a manifestation of Rick's powers, the uh, the destiny force. Um, the whole destiny force is so goddamn irritating. That's but, what she is. Yeah. So she's the manifest manifestation of something that wouldn't exist if it weren't for the supreme intelligence in the first place. It would exist. Like but it would Rick, not be manifest in any way. So, yeah, Rick Rick is able to tap into a power that all humans are supposedly going to wind up having anyway. Uh which I hate on every level. Um yes. But I <clears throat> There's also the the the, re- the reason I hate the Destiny Force is this. Number 1. You want to make Rick special? Fine. Make him special. He's already been the Hulk sidekick. He's already been Bucky. He's already been one half of the Captain Marvel um duo like you know fine he's special he doesn't need to be more special by being the most special little boy ever or whatever or what have you second of all the constant attempts like i get that making earth be overrun with superheroes is a problem because eventually you run into this like well why the fuck why is this happening on this one planet and not every other planet everywhere and it's like fine but I hate the constant like humanity is the most specialist species there is stuff like it's fine for just humanity for humanity to just be like why does it have to be a big fucking thing? Why can't it just be, eh, we don't know. It, it's just the way it worked out. Yeah. Or, like, you know, every planet has their superheroes, but you never see them. Like, you know. Well, like, and that's they do that in X-Men with the Shi'ar. Yeah. And they have their whole... They have an entire, like... Avengers situation yeah. and an X-Men situation and a Defender situation. Like, the Shi'ar have all of it going on, but no one's ever out to blow them out of the sky. Yeah. Um, it isn't an entire civilization or th- 12, I think, that actively, like, back when Peter Quill's dad was Jason of Sparta, or Jason of Spartax, uh, King of Spartax. He actually like straight up brought together a a quorum of spacefaring species and was like nobody goes to Earth anymore. Like that's yeah. just new. There's an embargo against Earth. They don't get to leave. We don't go to them. There's just too much fucking trouble. Um, and why does it have to be that way? Why didn't they do that to the Shi'ar? I guess because they were already an empire. I don't know. 
Yeah, I... Yeah. Anyway. Uh, so, yeah, the Destiny Force. Uh, Supreme War works out where Fawn is because of where look Rick is looking. So he blasts her. Um, which makes Rick sad. Which causes Marvel to be distracted at an, at an important moment. Uh, and what what we wind up finding out is that the whole plan here is to keep them distracted long enough that this plant will grow uh, that grows once every thousand years and when it does it will consume their minds and make them his slaves um, and the plan is to destroy earth because it's always about destroying earth and uh, <coughs> once they're able to do that then the only human able to ever access the Destiny Force will have been Rick, who is under the control of the Kree. Um, uh, Marvell sends a message to Rick to seize control of the weapons on the ship. Rick does and launches a missile into the sun which kicks off a solar flare, which overloads everything on Hala, uh, even the Supreme Intelligence. So, uh, you know, it's whatever. EMP, well, blah, blah, blah. It's like um, the, the way that I read it was that the Supreme Intelligence had to use every last bit of itself, like of its strength and uh, power, to divert the solar flare away from Hala so that right. so that it's not so that Hala's not destroyed um, but in the process he basically saps the mental energy from or almost all of the mental energy from the entire planet's population in order to do that and uh, reboots himself um, yeah he as a result of all of that he overloads yeah. and so the Supreme Intelligence is out, all of the Kree are out, yada, yada, yada. Um, so Rick comes to Marvell, who's now dying, uh, and uses the Negabands to revive him. Uh, and they're just like, they stand looking out over Hala, and Marvell is just like, you know, this used to be my home, but. It's not anymore. I don't. I don't belong here. So, let's go home. Very touching ending. Blah blah blah. Whatever. Um. Moving right along, Marvel Two and One Number Thirteen is written by Roger Slifer, penciled by Ron Wilson, inked by Vince Coletta, colored by Patrick Goldberg, and lettered by Joe Rosen. Luke Cage is. Uh, this guy comes in to hire Luke Cage, and he explains that he worked for this company in bioengineering. Uh, he accidentally created this thing, which this sludge, which wound up devouring several people and then became a monster. Um, and Luke, Luke, understandably, is just like, why didn't you go to the Avengers or the Fantastic Four or literally anyone else? And he's like, well... 
I did go to the Fantastic Four. The only one I could find was the thing. He's actually already fighting it. And Luke is like, oh, shit, and like, goes <laughs> to help. Um, they they fight the monster. Um, I actually like this as, okay, so it's a monster fight book, whatever. But, yeah. like, um, as a setup for, A, as a setup for um, a Marvel 2-in-1, this is a good one. This is one of yeah. the very, this is, like, the best... How do we get our other other protagonist into this book? This is the best version of that, I think. Right. Not only because it's a good twist, like, mostly because it's a good twist. Oh, he's already do Like, Thing's already there. I came yeah. to you because Thing needs help. And he's like, holy shit, why did... What are we even doing? You lead yeah. with that. Um, yeah. I, I, liked, I liked the way they get into this story. Yeah. Um, the rest of it is hot garbage. So they fight the monster, blah, blah, blah. In the end, they wind up getting it to expend all its energy. So it shrinks back to a tiny little thing. Um, at the end of it, it turns out that Crank has taken the thing home, stabilized its condition somewhat so that it'll grow at a normal rate, and is now raising it as a child. I'm sure that'll be fine yeah no way that'll ever go wrong uh, so that brings us to Marvel 2-in-1 number 14 written by Bill Mantlo penciled by Herb Trimpey inked by John Tartaglioni colored by Janice Cohen and lettered by Karen Mantlo um, Ben is wandering around this town in Arizona uh, it turns out it's because it was New Year's Eve and uh one of Reed's devices pinged, so he's like, hey, Ben, you should go look at this. And Ben's like, unlike you, I have plans. And he's like, no, this is important. So Ben goes and... Fuck your uh, plans, go fight this ghost. And he's wandering around this ghost town of Lawless, Arizona. Um, he finds this saloon that has this weird picture of a dude over the... Uh, bar when Damon's, Damon Hellstrom shows up uh, having also been drawn there because magic um, suddenly there is a tornado and they are, they are beset by Jedediah Ravenstorm it turns out Jedediah was a criminal back in the old west who got tired of causing shit on the east coast so he decided to go west and found his own town so he created the town of lawless but then eventually the people there the the few good people in the town of lawless got sick of taking orders from a criminal and they hung him and now he's back for revenge or whatever uh what Nothing. Uh, they oh. try to fight him for a little bit, and, a, like, Thing can't lay a hand on him. Mm -hmm. And so that kind of sidelines Thing for most of this. All he ends up doing is basically saving Damien from debris. Uh, eventually, Damien's like, wait a minute. This isn't right. You're not actually R Ravenstorm. You're... 
Cathara. Like, he just pulls that out of his ass. Right? Yeah. Yeah, it's really... It's really weird. Um, and he, so he's like, you're actually Cathara. You've possessed... It's like a double possession. It's like Cathara possessed this ghost. Yeah. Which possessed the town, or which is haunting the town. Whatever. And they beat the ghost. I don't know. He separates Cathara from Raven, from Jedediah. And then she she is beset by the spirits of the town. Um and ripped apart. Hooray! <laughs> so they uh take they they take their leave of each other and we see thing back in New York and uh Reed's like, So what did you uh what did you find? And Ben's just like, Not a goddamn thing <laughs> which I don't blame him for pretending that never happened. <laughs> I want to and all I did was read about it. Right. So whatever um this is one of the problems when it's like with this style of book with like two and one and team up is because mm. sometimes sometimes they can't help each other like yeah. this is not this is this is not a problem ben can punch so yep. it becomes a story more about a damon hellstrom villain and Ben was also there. Yeah, pretty and much. And that's why we've blown straight through it, is because honestly, both of these stories, one was just let's punch a monster, and like the lead win was cool, and their interaction was fine. It, it kind of continued Luke Cage is a dick week. Um, but. Yeah. And then this one is so loosely connected to anything. And then there's the problem of. Ben's not in this story except to quip uh, yeah and grouse that's all yep so there's yeah, just not a lot it's there it's bad um, so moving on uh, Doctor Strange number 10 is written by Steve Englehart penciled by Gene Colan inked by Frank Giaramonte colored by Al Wenzel and lettered by Tom Morzakowski uh everyone everyone in Doctor Strange's house is awaked by the screaming coming from Baron Mordo's room. Uh also none of the people at Doctor Strange's house who were staying there knew that Baron Mordo was upstairs convalescing. Being crazy. Yeah. <laughs> um, Ostensibly yeah. convalescing cuz yeah. after their last encounter Mordo's mind was essentially destroyed because they'd seen God. Yeah. Is that right? Uh, like, they they encountered Eternity, and Mordo's brain was just not able to handle it. Uh, so it broke him. Um, Strange looks into his head and finds out that he's being uh, beset by Nightmare. Um, and Nightmare's just like, yep, it's me, there's nothing you can do, ha ha ha. Um... At which point Mordo passes out and the whole thing ends. Uh, so, you know, Strange bundles him back up and 
everything. And uh, he is headed back upstairs when Clea pops in and she's just like, hi, how's it going? What's the matter? And he's just like, I got no time for this shit. And she's just like, oh, okay. And he's like, no, I'm sorry. I'm talking as master pupil here, not the dude who's putting it in you. Um, as your master, I have no time for this shit. As your boyfriend, like, we're cool. <laughs> like, And it's just kind of like, this is the problem with this kind of thing is... She actually calls him on it a little, too, yeah. right? And she's yeah. like, this... See, that's the problem, though. Like, the master-student thing and the personal stuff, like, that's where... You know, there's an issue there. And right. then, luckily, Eternity shows up on Earth and kills that conversation in its tracks. Yeah. Because um, he managed, like, it looks like the entire universe is falling onto the st- onto the streets of Greenwich Village, and everyone <laughs> in the entire city is just like, ah! yeah. This is this is what I love. They're ah! all flipping out because it's just like, oh God, what is happening? And. <laughs> After and, uh, he's standing there, Strange goes, "Oh shit!" and like casts a spell to make everything look the same that it did before, and they're all just like, "Hey, buddy, did you see that?" And they're like, "No, no, I did not. This is fine. Let's all go <laughs> home now, and none of us speak of this again." And yeah, everyone's, everyone on this street is just like, "Okay, I, sounds like, like they, a plan." They all just agree that nothing happened, and we're all yeah. gonna go home. Or to work or whatever. Yeah. Go about your day. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Um, Strange goes to try and talk to this dude, Genghis. Um, but when he arrives there, it turns out Genghis is completely fucking insane, too. Uh, like, not even, not even, like... Uh, hey, I sometimes say crazy stuff, but like straight up gibbering, like giggling madness. Um, yeah, it isn't like a violent insanity. He's not moving. He's just gone as yeah. well. Genghis has fully checked out. Um, so he uh, he winds up. Mordo wakes up again. Uh, and goes running outside and every, nobody sees this. So every, nobody, there's nothing to stop him. Um, but he ends up ostensibly on the same roof that Clea is on as well. I mean, I know there might be a couple of roofs, but they should be able anyway. Yeah. Whatever. But then he immediately casts his own astral form out. Right. Uh, Strange uses the Eye of Agamotto to merge with Eternity enough to find out what's going on. Um, and it turns out that Eternity's just kind of sick of people. Uh, so he decides to end the world. Um, and Strange is like, no, you're wrong. Humanity is not, is not what you're making it out to be. And Eternity's just like, are you serious? Like, look at you. 
um, you know, and <clears throat> Strange is like, I don't know what you mean. And Eternity's like, just contained within your psyche, there's the doctor, the drunkard, the magician, the man of mystery, like on and on and on. Um, and Strange is like, yes, well, I have come to terms with those parts of my personality. And uh, Eternity's like, have you? And Strange is like, yeah. And Eternity's like, have you? And he's like, pretty sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, so, yeah, he uh, he winds up having to confront all of this stuff. So, uh, yeah, Mordo leaves his body and goes flying away. Blah, blah, blah. Uh, Doctor Strange number 11 is inked and colored by Tom Palmer and lettered by John Costanza. Um, Doctor Strange is approached um, by himself. Uh, who gives him an invitation to the Dance of the Red Death. Um, he goes, and there's all these versions of asshole Stephen Strange. Uh, and there's one dude who's wearing a Richard Nixon mask um, that is the leader of the asshole Stephen Stranges. And um, they attack. He is overwhelmed because he does not have access to his magic. Uh, and he's locked in a dungeon where he finds the second part of himself, uh, who is drunk off his ass and just like, whatever, I'm just going to stay here and drink myself to death. Um, Strange starts trying to find a way out, discovers that drunk Strange has started to dig an escape tunnel. Uh, however, as he tries to start finishing the tunnel Drinky Strange picks up a pipe and is about to bash him over the head when Clea who is reaching out trying to reach Steven uh, twigs him to what's going on he reacts and um, yeah I also like that this is a as metaphor this this sequence with drunk Doctor Strange or drunk Strange is uh, pretty good, right? Yeah. Because he's done he's done most of the work. He just doesn't want to get out of the hole. Like right. that's that's not the worst, and it isn't as heavy handed because it's fairly like we're moving, right? Um, we're yeah. So, they don't. They don't spend time sitting there going like, look what a great metaphor we've created. Yeah, exactly. It's just it's like... It's just like, here's a tunnel. He's dug most of it. He just hasn't... He doesn't want to put in the last bit of work to get himself out of the hole. He'd rather stay in the hole. It's easier here. And yeah. that's pretty good. And the way that it's delivered is pretty good, too. Like you say, because it's like... We, they don't like land on it and grind it into the page... No, it's like, holy shit, you're almost done with this. Cool. All right, let's go. And then he's attacked and da 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 da. And <coughs> the attacking. The attacking, too, also as part of metaphor is like, you don't, you start trying to attack the people that are only trying to help you. Yeah. Um, like, that's all, it's all good stuff. 
I, even like, if the it, person trying to help you is you. Right. Exactly. Uh, yeah. No. Yeah. Like, it's all very yeah. self-destructive and very. Yeah. I mean, you can't. You can't have your hopes dashed if you don't have any hopes. Yep. You know. Um. Better a. Betty. Better a. Uh, a shitty reality than a hope that fails to live up to. Yeah, whatever. Anyway, uh, I'm grasping at something there, but I'm just not on it. Um, oh, I think I get what you're saying. <coughs> so he gets out and he uh, mugs a, a version of himself for his clothes, gets in close to the Nixon um but then the Nixon twigs to who he is. Um, at which point uh, he he uses the Eye of Agamotto to... He unmasks Nixon, uh, which it turns out it's just another strange. And that strange is worried that <coughs> without the mask, he's just going to be like everybody else. Um, which again, the red death shows up as well. Yeah. And the red, like, uh, he, he uses the eye of, of, uh, he uses the eye of Agamotto on the red death, which causes it to melt off its face. Uh, and what's revealed is a comedic mask. Um, and it's just it's a whole lot of heavy shit going on this issue yeah and it and it mostly like to its credit it it all works um i stepped on you while you were talking about um the one the nixon mask being removed on the one and who he like just reveals that his fear is that he's going to be just like everybody else yeah is that yeah okay. uh that you know this is when when uh when Stephen was that person, he was driven not necessarily by a desire to help people. It was a desire to be set apart. It was mm-hmm. a di- desire to be every better than everyone. And so it makes sense that in a room full of Stephen Stranges, one Stephen Strange would do something to set themselves apart and be terrified of being exposed as just another Stephen Strange. So, yeah. Um, and then the death mask being removed as to show comedy. There's something there, too. And I kind of feel like it's the... Him... Because he's already faced death, right? Yeah. Like, death holds no sway over this our Stephen Strange anymore. That's in fact one of the big deals. Mm-hmm. Um and I don't know if that's it or not. Well, and I I don't know. There's a there's a lot that can be read into this. Um you know. I we could spend an entire fucking hour <laughs> deconstructing that. Um 
in the end yeah. of this, uh, Eternity comes to him, comes to Steven and is like, I mean, you get it, right? And <laughs> Steven's like, yeah, no, I got it, but this is a stupid game for you, Eternity. Like, this yeah. is, I get what we're doing here, but this is, this bullshit's beneath you. And Eternity gets pissed and he is like, no, I'm I'm done. This isn't this is not it. And then as um He basically puts him back in front of the Ancient One because we're not done going through the stages. We've done Stephen Strange the Asshole and Stephen Strange the Drunk, but we haven't done the the magician or the man of mystery yet so he puts him in front of the ancient one and strange thinks it's like time travel-y or representation-y but we don't get there that this issue in this issue we get to see mordo meet the genghis mordo's astral projection meet the genghis yeah and they just sit and giggle at each other (laughs) Uh, Doctor Strange number 12 is lettered by Tom Morzakowski. Um, it is... So, the Ancient One tries to talk to Steven, and Steven's not buying it. And what the, what the Ancient One tells him is, all life is change. The thing you're fearing is not an end, it's simply a change in the status quo. And without change, even destructive, violent upheaval, life stagnates. Um, And Strange does not want to accept that. Uh, So they they have a brief battle. (coughs) Um, And... uh, Yeah, it is. It's it's interesting. Stephen is still operating under the impression that, as you said, it's all it's all representational. But this is, as you find out, is actually the ancient one trying to reach him. Yeah. Um, At one point, he tries to use, I guess, astral the astral projection to like enter this manifest what he believes is the manifestation right eternity's manifestation of the ancient one he tries to enter that mind and so that he can like short circuit it or get to the root or just get past this bullshit and he's immediately ejected and he's like oh shit uh the only one that can do that to me is actually the ancient one so oh no so like immediately he's like um sorry crap uh what were you saying uh i really wasn't in a headspace where i could listen to you at the moment so like could you just can we do it again and the ancient one's like i don't repeat my lessons thank you and just walks away yeah yeah so strange strange moves on and uh comes up against the masked Doctor Strange that he created to look o- look over or look after things when he gave up his mystic 
career. Um, they battle, which is fairly short-lived, uh, at which point he unmasks the masked Doctor Strange, which has his face. But then it turns out that the it's actually death. But then, oh, nope, it's Morda. Um, and it turns out that... <clears throat> uh, the... While Mordo and Genghis were sitting there, at some point, both their minds turned to Strange, which caused a moment of connection between the two, which kind of snapped Mordo out of some of this shit, and he he then kind of invaded this. Um, he well, that's what we're told. Well, well, yeah. he he invaded he invaded this portion of things we will find out kind of why um but so the the ultimate strange is battling mordo and it's not going very well so he tries to call clea to help him uh but he fails uh and what winds up happening is the earth is destroyed um right and so we begin Doctor Strange number 13, which was lettered by John Costanza. Uh, Doctor Strange is the the last survivor of Earth. Because um, Mordo, Mordo technically, like his brain may have, but his body was back on Earth when it was destroyed. So Mordo's fucked anyway. Um, <clears throat> and uh, Strange reaches out and tries to talk to Eternity and get him to undo uh, the Earth's destruction. Um, and Eternity's just like, no. <laughs> uh, so, he travels into the Eye of Agamotto um, and in so doing, he discovers that he is not in the realm of eternity but in the realm of dreams and that eternity has been taken prisoner by nightmare um which is the cause of all this shit shit. yeah and it's so he never left Mordo's dream when he went into the room the first time four issues ago he went in there uh, saw Nightmare, Nightmare saw him and was like, oh shit, uh, kicked him out into a different sub-dream. Then he uses Eternity's power, which is kind of like out there in Nebulous in this dream for... No, he'd captured Eternity. Oh crap. I'm too tired. Go ahead. So... Yeah. Yeah. Um... <clears throat> whatever the upshot is he battles eternity or he battles nightmare um and he manages to free eternity um at which point he's like please you have to you have to fix this you have to fix earth and eternity is just like uh you know i may have been infected by nightmares insanity but uh, I'm not really in the habit of going back on shit, so 
yeah, I'm not going to do that. Uh, at which point the Ancient One shows up. <clears throat> and he battles Eternity. Um, and... As a result, Eternity is just like, okay, I'll tell you what, I, what I'll do. I can't bring Earth back. I can't just make it magically reappear from when it was destroyed. Um, but... He winds up creating a new Earth and speeding it along its evolution. Uh, and then he's just like, so I have your world is as you left it, even though it's not the same one. Uh, there is no you, so you can just go back and reassume your life. And Strange is like, thanks. <laughs> um, and he and the Ancient One then have a moment wherein the Ancient One's like, okay, this was the second test. I didn't arrange this for you. Like, this wasn't this wasn't my doing. This is just the second task you have to perform. He's like, in the first, you had to learn the inevitability of death. In the second, you had to learn to fight for life. <clears throat> so... This is just another step on your development as the uh, master of the mystic arts. And Strange is like, okay, well, still fucking sucked, uh, but <laughs> thanks. Bye. <laughs> um, as far as this being the second test, I kind of twigged to that in the middle of second issue I think and I was like is that is that what we're doing here because it feels like big big moves here and <clears throat> I don't think this works as well as the first test did because no. it's way convoluted like the what actually happened with Nightmare and all that yeah um, but it's still probably the best story of the week there's still a lot of there's the stuff with strange confronting the different aspects of himself I really like. Yeah. Uh So, yeah. Um that that all works. It just doesn't work as well once you get to the bigger shit. Um But yeah. So, top 5. Top 5. The Watcher's Guide's Top 5. Top 5. Number 5. I'm going to be... Oh, Chase has a beautiful young wife. That's too bad. <laughs> <laughs> because nothing, nothing... Also a young daughter, we found that later as well. But yeah, uh, it's just... That's just too bad. That's Something, a damn shame. Yep, some <laughs> horrible's about to happen to them. Uh, to that family. Uh, number four, Mind Gem. Because it showed up. Uh, it's not real high on the list because all it did was really show up, but we've got more than one Infinity Gem out there now. Uh, number three is the, the Solar Flare and the Supreme Intelligence response to that threat to save Hala um, 
it wasn't exactly self-sacrificing because all of this shit was essentially his fault anyway, or its fault anyway, but I just liked that as a reaction. Rather than allow the entire planet to be destroyed, he siphons ev most of everybody's mental energies off to bolster the defense system. I yeah. thought that was neat. Uh, number two... <laughs> The destroyer blows up a sun with his goddamn hands. Uh, I thought it was just rad and metal as shit. I know he's having a temper tantrum about it. It was still neat. Um, and then number one is uh, Drunk Strange in the whole, uh, that whole sequence. I yeah. thought that it was just really effective um, showing. Yeah, I just thought it was good. All right, so that's me. All right. Um, <clears throat> number five. Uh, yeah, another Infinity Gem. Uh, I know we aren't calling them that yet, but still, the fact that it's there is exciting. Uh, number four <clears throat> is uh, <laughs> all of everyone in Strange's house has no idea that Mordo is there until they are woken by his screaming. Uh, I, I just like the idea that it's just like, Oh, you have a, you have another guest. How, how lovely. <laughs> um, number, number three is the Drax versus Marvel fight. Uh, I enjoy, I enjoy Drax's tantrum. Uh, but I really liked how he was just, absolutely wailing on Marvell and uh just pitches him into an atmosphere to watch him burn up yeah um, yeah i should have gone with that but the the way that their fighting styles are so much different as well mm -hmm. like had Marvell been the Marvell of like the thanos war area mm -hmm. he would have just there would have been it would have been a better fight i think mm -hmm. a uh, but B, it would have been a more interesting fight because Marvel doesn't exactly fight in the same way that Drax does. Was Drax is essentially a bruiser, like he doesn't. Yeah, Dra have, Drax there's no is technique a bulldozer. There. Yeah, uh, he is. You you set him on a course and he plows through whatever's in his way. Um, Marvel has always been more of a river, like yeah. he flows around whatever. And chips away at it. Right. Um, so, yeah. Uh, number two is uh, Luke Cage punching chemicals to death. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It's a, it's one of those when all you have is a hammer moments. Yes. Uh, because it is. It's like, what are you going to do, Luke? I'll hit it. <laughs> okay, man. How? <laughs> like, really hard. All right. Uh, and then, yeah, number one has to be uh, both both Nixon Strange and Drunkard Strange and what they say about what they say about uh, Stephen. And uh, the, yeah. only, the only thing that I was thinking of just just right now is that they didn't do. The only thing that I would have liked to see a little more to like bring this out, even though it was all inside a nightmare tainted infinity or eternity, um, but has he 
dealt with those aspects of himself, the attention-seeking aspect and the self-destructive aspect? Has he dealt with those parts of himself, or is he still battling them now? Like, Mm. I don't really feel like that was answered. And it was made even more muddy by the fact that it's a nightmare-tainted eternity that's doing it. So, and I, I think also the uh, the mask Doctor Strange, I think works in terms of Stephen's journey, because his creating the cipher Doctor Strange to fill in for him when he left. Um, that's back. To, so. Stephen Strange's journey up to that point had been he was an asshole he got absolutely wrecked by the loss of his hands he uh, he was um, he was on a very self-destructive path and the Ancient One saved him from that Um, and that whether he wants to be the master of the mystic arts or not, uh, ending his mystical career the way he did, he was just going to wind up back on that same path if he didn't do, if he had continued down that. You know what I mean? Right. Like, yeah. So, I don't know. A lot of the symbolism there really worked uh, and was very, was very powerful in the context of what they were doing. Um, yeah, I agree that, you know, there needed to be more like either these things are dealt with or they're not. Let us know where we stand. Right. Um, but but yeah. in any case, it was, uh, they were effective as they were. The, if yeah. Just that button would have been nice to yeah. uh, sort of let us know where we yeah like you say let us know where we stand yeah um so yeah uh next week we do have uh quite a bit of master of kung fu um as well as a little bit of daredevil a single issue of uh defenders and then uh an issue of captain america annual um so yeah uh, between now and then, though, you can uh, like us on Facebook, uh, follow us on Twitter. I did, I did discover uh, because of the changes in how Facebook and Twitter work, um, the updates that I post on Twitter are no longer populating on Facebook. Uh, I'm working on that, so bear with me. Uh, I apologize. Uh, but yeah, like us both indiv- or like us on Facebook. Follow us both individually and uh, collectively at, at @watchersguidemu. Email us at watchersguide@gmail.com or visit our website at watchersguide.com. Uh, that is it for us. Have a marvelous week. Bye. Bye.